Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, I got to thinking, you know, if in fact the Democrats win, if the most extreme political agenda in American history and the most dangerous anti-constitutional agenda in American history becomes reality. It will largely be the fault of the suburbs and senior citizens. I'm not talking about you folks in the audience. I'm talking about senior citizens generally and the suburbs, according to what I'm reading. Blue-collar workers, union members, Conservatives, people who do not have college degrees, they may have gone to college, (coughs) excuse me, or community college, or not at all, are fairly strongly in Donald Trump's camp. The weaknesses appear to be among seniors in the suburbs. Now, the irony here cannot really be stressed enough. Seniors who are most familiar with the greatness of this country, who have helped build the greatness of this country and have received much of the benefits of the greatness of this country. Again, I'm not talking about you. You know who I'm talking about. You have them in your neighborhoods and your families and among your friends. They will be among those who will vote to destroy the Supreme Court to destroy the Senate, to destroy the way we vote under the Electoral College, and destroy the way we legislate. 
I have the 110-page Communist Manifesto here. It's called Biden-Sanders Unity Task Force Recommendations. I believe I am the only TV or radio host who's actually truthfully read them. Because they're frightening. And they're going to tell you that they have a mandate and that this is their mandate. Seniors know that we have spent decades fighting to be energy independent. Today we are energy independent. We don't have to rely on anyone in the Middle East, OPEC. We don't have to rely on Russia. It was a national security threat at one point. There is no such threat anymore. We're now energy independent. One of the first things they attack in the Biden-Sanders Unity Task Force is our energy independence. They destroy it. They go after the combustion engine. I'm just telling this to the whole country, but seniors in the combustion engine. They don't really know what they're going to replace. They say they're going to replace it with electricity. The problem is they go after electricity. They go after all reliable, common forms of energy. And what do you get? You get California. Brownouts, blackouts, fires, expenses through the roof, economic dislocation, and people fleeing. So this isn't theoretical. This is reality. We see what happens with one-party rule. And then the suburbs. I did a specific show on this on Fox. I've talked about it on Levin TV. I've talked about it repeatedly behind this microphone. Barack Obama and now Joe Biden, in particular Joe Biden, want to destroy the suburbs. It's not just about low-income housing. The federal government will decide, and no town or suburb in this country, no county in this country can do anything without the approval of the federal government deciding where you can put a library, where you can put a school, where you can put a gas station, what kind of zoning you'll have in terms of housing, very hostile to single-family homes. They want to devour the tax base in order to help fund the cities. And so this notion of suburbs by the urban planners of the left, by the community activists of the left, this is something they've been wanting for 30 or 40 years, to destroy the suburbs. And that the, the bizarre irony is, is no matter how many times I say it or the president sa- says it, it apparently doesn't have an impact on the people who live in the suburbs. Not you. You know who I mean. It will affect the quality of life. It will affect representative government. Who gets to make decisions? It will affect the school systems. It will affect housing. It will affect everything. Because no longer will suburbs be sovereign. Now, one of the great things about our democracy in America, the two-volume book, uh, books that uh, Alexis de Tocqueville wrote about, is all these different towns and communities and counties and mayors and councils and supervisors and boards. He thought it was magnificent. And he thought, because of that, America will never go the way of Europe. There could never be a monarchy never really a threat to the republicanism. But that's true unless the people in the suburbs 
vote to destroy themselves. And what is amazing to me is they just don't believe or they don't comprehend what the Democrat Party has become. With the face of Joe Biden, Joe Biden just looks like the uncle who's kind of dazed, but he'd never do these things. But of course they will. They're telling us they're going to do these things. And they're going to make sure they do these things because they're going to legislate without checks and balances. They're going to have the courts back them up no matter how many towns sue in order to get their sovereignty back. It's not going to matter. The fix is in if they get elected. Now go back to the senior citizens. Joe Biden says he wants to lower the age of Medicare from 65 to 60. The trustees of the Medicare system say Medicare is going broke. If you lower the age from 65 to 60, Medicare is dead. Because it has to cover more people with less money that's having come in. It's over. And people on Medicare and, and other forms of government care. Joe Biden has said he believes illegal aliens should have free health care. Illegal aliens. That right now is 20 million additional people. They don't believe in borders, so when you count 20 million plus chain migration, it's 100 million. 100 million people in the country, in our schools, where the suburbs have no say about the schools, no say about where the schools will be, no say about anything. Flooding into the health care system as well. What's going to happen? It's going to collapse. There will be no more Medicare. They talk about Obamacare. Pre-existing conditions. There'll be no Obamacare. There won't be enough doctors and nurses and hospitals and facilities. You think the coronavirus put pressure on our medical system? What do you think 20, 30, 40, 80, 100 million people are going to do who haven't paid one penny into the system? What do you think is going to happen to Medicare when they lower the age to 60? It's going to collapse. The president should have overwhelming support in the, among seniors. He should have overwhelming support in the suburbs. You weigh that against tweets? Tweets? Seriously? Really, you want to know about Joe Biden's character? Joe, it's Joe Biden who they should be asking the question. Will you denounce white supremacy? Because Joe Biden embraced white supremacy early in his career, into the mid-years mid of his career. Donald Trump didn't fight integration in our cities and our schools. Joe Biden fought integration. And he not only fought integration, and I've read it to you, he sounded like a horrific segregationist. He penned friendship letters with James Eastland and John Stennis, two of the greatest segregationists and racists at the time from Mississippi. With Talmadge from Georgia. He didn't just work with them. He befriended them. Donald Trump never did anything like that. And yet the media keep asking him, will you denounce white supremacy? They've never even brought up Joe Biden's record. Ever. Ever. But will it be the senior citizens in our country? In the suburbs in our country? That will turn this country inside out? To be the most radical, 
leftist, post-constitutional industrial nation on the face of the earth? Senior citizens in the suburbs? I want to salute those blue-collar workers, union, non-union. I want to salute you. I want to salute you men and women who get dirt under your fingers, who do jobs that a lot of people won't do while Joe Biden's hiding out in his house. And I want to salute my fellow conservatives. Because it is you who are supporting this president. I want to salute the growing number of Hispanics in this country who are supporting this president. I want to salute the growing number of black Americans, not significant, but growing, who are supporting this president. But based on the data that I'm looking at, if we lose this country, it's going to be due to our senior citizens in our suburbs. Now look, I know you listen to this show. I'm not talking about you. Don't take it personally. Look, I'm a senior citizen. I just entered the senior citizen age, and I live in the suburbs, okay? I'm not condemning you. I'm not condemning me. I'm looking down my street like you should look in your neighborhood. Because according to the data, it's the senior citizens in the suburbs, particularly the women in the suburbs, who are shifting towards Joe Biden. They haven't looked at this agenda. They don't believe Joe Biden's a bad guy. They don't believe he's going to institute these things. And he is. And they are. And there'll be no turning back. Because they're going to destroy the checks and balances of the Constitution to acquire what they want. A temporary majority. A temporary faction. And I saw it take place here right in my beloved Commonwealth of Virginia. It took one session. Less than one year. For the Democrats who had a small majority in the House and the Senate and their Democrat governor, you know, Northam, to institute some of the most radical pro-abortion laws in the nation, some of the most radical gun control laws in the nation, taxes galore. It's appalling. It's appalling. So I'm calling on seniors to talk to your fellow seniors. I'm calling on suburbanites to talk to your fellow suburbanites. Because the irony is, the people who have built this country and have benefited from this country are about to vote for a party that is committed to destroying this country. The people who live in the suburbs, which are more and more diverse, but have a better lifestyle than many other people in this country, Many of them, particularly the women, are prepared to vote for the most radical and extremist agenda in American history, where they're going to destroy their own communities, their own schools. It is bizarre, but it's the truth. That's what's lining up here. I'll be right back. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. 
The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Pfizer announced today that it could apply for emergency use authorization in the United States for its coronavirus vaccine by late November. That's five to six weeks from now. It's after the election. It would be truly a, a sickening irony if this president who has worked so hard to get this vaccine as fast as he possibly could, which is a cure pretty much, a vaccine, if he were to lose this election, then two to three weeks later we have a vaccine. It would be a shame, it would be a damn shame that the media and the Democrat Party will have succeeded in a treacherous campaign to turn an enormous success that we should be celebrating into an enormous disaster. In an open letter, Pfizer Chairman and CEO Albert Puria made the announcement about the progress in developing a coronavirus vaccine with its partner, BioNTech, and biotechnology company that manufactures immunotherapies. I know there's a great deal of confusion regarding exactly what it will take to ensure its development and approval, and given the critical public health considerations and the importance of transparency, I would like to provide greater clarity around the development timelines for Pfizer's and our partner BioNTech's COVID-19 vaccine. He says, uh, are operating at the speed of science, but there are three steps that must happen before the company can release it. And he goes on, but they're going to seek emergency authorization to make the vaccine available by the end of November, at which time the president has already set up the manufacturing and production and the distribution for the vaccine. We've never seen anything like this in American history. I'll be right back. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great free online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America. 
and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Making sure the land of the free and the home of the brave stays that way. Dial Mark Levin now at 877-381-3811. In just a minute or two, I'm going to tell you something that may surprise some of you. And that is how similar Abraham Lincoln and Donald Trump actually are. That Trump has more in common with Abraham Lincoln than you might think. I'll tell you a little bit about Abraham Lincoln. John Cribb was a fantastic author, and he wrote a piece in The Hill a few days ago. And he's in many ways a historian. He's written about subjects ranging from history to education. During the Reagan administration, he served in the Departments of Justice and Education, National Endowment for the Humanities, and he's a Lincoln scholar. And he wrote a novel, Old Abe. So he knows what he's talking about. And so, while the illiterate media and others keep trying to tear down our president, I keep trying to bring you what I consider to be very substantive information. Trump has more in common with Lincoln than you might think, he writes. This summer's Republican National Convention was full of references to Abraham Lincoln, which is no surprise, given that Donald Trump likes to compare himself to the 16th president. It's a comparison that aggravates Trump's critics, who don't like to see the man they consider the nation's worst chief executive linked with a man widely regarded as the best. This may make those critics' heads explode, but there are some fascinating parallels between the two presidents, as well as some contrasts. For starters, they share the same political party. Lincoln was the first Republican president. Trump is the 19th. Both men were long-shot candidates. In 1860, Lincoln, like Trump, defeated a field of better-connected rivals to capture the Republican nomination and then win the general election. Both men came to office with little or no government experience. Lincoln had served only four terms in the Illinois legislature and one term in Congress. Trump had spent zero time in government. Trump, on the other hand, had far more executive experience. Before his presidency, Lincoln ran a two-man law firm with a reputation for disorganization. He often stored important papers in his hat. And in the corner of a Springfield, Illinois office sat a stack of documents labeled, When you can't find it anywhere else, look in this. Both men experienced harsh reactions to their elections. In 1860, secessionists wore ribbons with slogans such as, Resistance to Lincoln is obedience to God. Resistance. Sound familiar, folks? Lincoln governed during the most divided era in our nation's history. Trump is governing in perhaps the most acrimonious period since the Civil War. Both presidencies have been times of extreme media partisanship. In Lincoln's day, newspapers were closely aligned with the Democratic or Republican parties, and it showed in their reporting. I cover this in Unfreedom of the Press as well. In 1863, for example, after Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address, the Democratic Chicago Times proclaimed that, quote, the cheek of every American must tinge, excuse me, the cheek of every American must tingle with shame as he reads the silly, flat, 
and dishwatery utterances of Lincoln's speech. The Springfield Republican in Massachusetts called it a perfect gem, deep in feeling, compact in, compact in thought and expression. Lincoln, like Trump, was furiously attacked in the media. Newspapers called him a demon, a buffoon, a miserable failure, a disgrace to the nation. Quote, the man who votes for Lincoln now is a traitor, unquote, one Wisconsin newspaper asserted when he ran for re-election in 1864. You can imagine what southern newspapers wrote of Lincoln. Trump returns the media's fire almost daily, but his assaults have been a war of words. Lincoln's counterattacks could be more aggressive. His administration believes some opposition newspaper fueled treason. And during the Civil War, federal authorities sometimes harassed or even closed anti-war newspapers, and they arrested editors. Lincoln did not order the suppression, but he rarely objected. Lincoln, like Trump, developed ingenious end runs around the press to communicate directly with the people. He managed to get letters and speeches widely published so voters would know his thoughts and words. Trump has done the same with rallies, 90-minute press conferences, and his tweets. The Washington political establishment viewed Lincoln, like Trump, with wariness and outright hostility. He was considered a rube from the prairies, clearly out of his depth. Mary Lincoln, like Melania Trump, was snubbed by many in the nation's capital. Trump is somewhat of a street fighter. His instinct, when hit, is to hit back twice as hard. In his younger days, Lincoln also was a scrapper. He once defended a colleague from an unruly audience by threatening to break heads with a stone pitcher. On another occasion, he came close to dueling a political rival with broad swords. With age, he became more conciliatory. As president, he sometimes cooled off by writing blistering letters and then filing them away without mailing them. No tweeting for Lincoln. But Lincoln, of course, was a wartime president. Trump and his allies considered themselves engaged in a kind of soft war on at least two fronts. First, against the swamp. That is an entrenched Washington elite. And second, against a hard left insurgency that aims to radically transform our country. In both cases, Trump's supporters believe he is defending the nation's founding principles. His opponents strenuously disagree. That, perhaps, is the area of comparison with Lincoln that matters most. Lincoln was fiercely dedicated to our founding principles, especially those in the Declaration of Independence, his favorite founding document, that we are all created equal, and we all have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. He knew that as long as we stick to our founding principles, America can be a great nation. And in the end, history judges presidents largely on the defense of those principles. And that is one reason we admire Lincoln so much. He defended them to the end. If any president from any party wants to be compared to Lincoln, let it be for that, defending our principles to the end. Now, for some of you, this may seem a stretch. But for history, it will not be a stretch. Whatever happens on Election Day and thereafter, I'm going to tell you something now for which I will be mocked. Donald Trump will be considered one of the greatest presidents in American history. I am somebody who studies history. 
I am somebody who is obsessed with reading about American history. Mostly from original books and original documents, but also others. I've written eight books, seven of which are about our history, our founding, about our philosophy and our principles, and about those that seek to destroy this country with their philosophy and principles. And I do believe that this president is one of the greatest presidents we've ever had. I do believe that. And I'm going to tell you something else for which I will be mocked. But I don't much care because the people who do the mocking are typically ignoramuses and political hacks. Donald Trump has run one of the most truthful and honest administrations in American history. Where recent presidents, more modern presidents, have used the IRS and have used the FBI and even the CIA, like Johnson and Nixon, against their political opponents, against newspapers and the like, Donald Trump has never done any of that. And as history will point out, once we get past the current politicians, the current reporters, and the current authors, Donald Trump will have been a victim of a grave effort to destroy his candidacy and his presidency. There's not a resistance that we're facing, ladies and gentlemen. It is a counter-revolution. It's more than a resistance. The Democrat Party, from time to time, seeks to destroy the country. And so far it has failed. The question is whether enough of our citizens are going to vote to destroy our country. If they're paying attention. I'm asking our seniors, I'm asking our fellow citizens in the suburbs, I'm asking people who are even considering voting for Biden who haven't done so yet. Please think about what you're doing. Put aside the corrupt press. There was corrupt press during the Civil War. There was corrupt press soon after the founding of the nation. There was corrupt press at the beginning of the last century, including the New York Times. Please, put aside the press. Let's all think for ourselves. Why do they hate Trump? Because of his tweets? No, of course not. Because he stands in the way of the 110-page Biden-Sanders manifesto. Because he nominates people to the bench who are constitutionalists who seek to uphold the Constitution. Donald Trump isn't a conservative intellectual. He's not a scholar. He's a president. Lincoln wasn't a conservative intellectual, and he wasn't a scholar either. But he knew right from wrong, as Donald Trump knows right from wrong. And both men loved this country. You know, after I interviewed the president, I believe it was on a Thursday that I taped him for the September 17th Life, Liberty, and Levin, the president 
was kind enough to invite me and my wife, my stepson who'd been in town, to attend an event at the National Archives. And at that event at the National Archives, the president gave a 20-minute speech about the founders, about the Declaration, about the Revolutionary War, about the Constitution. Genuinely concerned that all of this is being lost in our public education, in our public debate. This was when the riots were as hot as could be. He said, we must... We must get reverence for our country back. We must teach it in our schools. And he's created a commission to do exactly that. This is a remarkable man in so many ways, isn't it? 74 years old. He's experienced what tyranny is like. He's experiencing what the extremists are up to. And he's standing up to them. You may not like the way he talks and tweets about the media, but you need to understand the media, these media corporations, have thrown in with the extremists. They will survive no matter who's elected. When you look at who makes up the media, George Stephanopoulos, the sham with the interview of Biden last night, the abuses of our president a week or two earlier. This Savannah Guthrie, as it turns out, I looked it up, her husband is a very active Democrat, a supporter of Obama. They're everywhere. They have seeded the media with leftists and Democrats. That's like seeding the media with supporters of the Confederacy during the time of Lincoln's presidency. I'm not talking about the ideology, I'm talking about the problem. Think for yourselves. And then get people to vote. We need you to get five to ten people to vote. And I want to thank the other hosts, some of whom are backbenchers now, who are finally encouraging people to vote. I don't know where the hell they've been, but I'll do what I have to do. The weekend is ahead of us. You've got to act. I'll be right back. Folks, I have something serious to talk to you about. I don't have to tell you that we're in a fight for the soul of the country. One side in our country claims that America was founded on banned principles and built on oppression. They've even put together a distorted history of America, the New York Times 1619 Project. The other side knows, like you do, that our country's done more to achieve and advance liberty than any other in history. The best way to fight back? Teach the truth. Today we can learn the true story of America from the college that's better at teaching it than any other, Hillsdale College. My friends at Hillsdale have put together a great, free, online course called The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. And folks, that's just what we need right now, hope. So get inspired. Sign up today for free at levinforhillsdale.com for Hillsdale's course on the glorious history of the last best hope on earth, America, and share it with others. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com.
You know, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just trying to convey to as many people as I can, fellow citizens, from the deepest crevices of my mind, the case for saving this country. And I'm going to continue to do it. I mean, I've got piles and piles of news stories here and so forth. I'm never going to get to them. And so I'm trying to talk from my heart and my soul to you, my fellow citizens. The weekend's here. you got to get five or ten people to vote or lined up to vote. Each and every one of you. You just can't put it off. Or we're going we're gonna to have a very difficult time in the days and years ahead. You know, the governor of Maryland has made much to do today about the fact that he voted early and voted for Ronald Reagan. That he would not vote for either Biden or Trump. So he threw his vote away. But he wanted to make a statement that he's a Reaganite. I was a Reaganite in 1976 and 1980. And I have to tell you, I don't remember Governor Hogan being around. But I want to talk to you about that. About Hogan and these so-called never-Trumper Republicans and the Lincoln Group, which besmirches Lincoln's name. Briefly when we come back, and we'll delve into other matters as well. We'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I want to remind you, When Joe Biden says that there's racial inequality, when Joe Biden says that there's so many things we have to do in the environment, when Joe Biden talks about immigration, I want to remind you that Joe Biden was in the United States Senate for 39 years. He was vice president for eight years. I want to remind you of who he is. During the break, and I want to dissuade you from doing this, I hope you'll stick with the program, I watched him, because Fox has him going on, he's screaming at the top of his lungs, he's mumbling his words, but he's going on with every hot-button issue he can possibly think of. All these problems he talks about, you've got to wonder, why doesn't he pay us his salary, his pension, and his medical care back Because all those years he was in Washington, D.C., I just want you to think about, particularly when it comes to integration, he stood with the segregationists. He stood with the segregationists. And yet he's going to get 90% of the black vote. Part of the problem there is you have these, these mayors, many of whom are minorities, who are Democrats before they're anything else. You see that some people also see that party as their faith, their religion. In the culture, you people like LeBron James and Doc Rivers and others, they're big Democrats. And so that has an effect, that has an influence. And so 90% 
of the black community will wind up voting for Joe Biden. Even though not only hasn't he done a damn thing for the black community, he's got a career, a career where he said racist things and he did racist things. You don't have that with Donald Trump. I want to get back to Lincoln. I want to get back to Lincoln briefly, as a central Civil War curriculum has pointed out. In 1864, when Lincoln was running for re-election, his re-election was not guaranteed. Now they point out Lincoln's party was deeply split, the Republican Party, and he was viewed by many politicians, and indeed by most of them, as their worst possible candidate. In 1864, when he was running for re-election, Ranged against him was the radical wing, a band of powerful, angry, vindictive, unhappy, and humorless men bent on revenge against the slaveholding South. Again, as essential Civil War curriculum points out. The radicals believed, as did Lincoln, that the war must be pushed to final victory and the rebellion crushed. But Lincoln then wanted a benign, <coughs> excuse me, liberal Reknitting of the shattered union as soon as possible, free from recrimination and driven by forgiveness. And Lincoln's second inaugural address makes this abundantly clear, and it's one of the reasons my father did a book on it. The radicals were disinclined to be benign, lenient, and forgiving. They were slavery-hating abolitionists, for the most part, who deplored the kind-hearted president's meddlesome, soft-headed approach. They wanted vengeance against the South and its slaveholders, an immediate unconditional freeing of all slaves, and crushing retaliation against their masters. A stern, relentless, pitiless punishment. More importantly, they wanted control of what was to happen. They wanted a South reconstructed and reshaped as they wished it, not as the President wished it. They wanted forever to realign the balance of political power in the Union in favor of the Republican Party. But this well-meaning, kind-hearted, bungling president, as they called him, was standing in their way. It was maddening and frustrating for them. To a man, the radicals were displeased with him. They thought him wholly incompetent, too slow, too hesitant, too weak, too soft on the South. They believed he lacked backbone, encouraged corruption, squandered millions, was a flat failure, and they were casting about desperately for somebody, anybody, to pit against him. Lincoln's challenge in 1864 was to keep his contentious party moving forward to victory, with himself still in the driver's seat at the end. It wasn't going to be easy, and so much depended on circumstance, particularly how things went on the battlefield. He would have lost, potentially. He let Grant know, the head of the Union Army, and Sherman know, really his number two, that he needed a victory. And he needed a victory fairly quickly. A resounding victory in a battle, which would become the Battle of Atlanta. And it was a resounding victory. It was a crushing victory. And it helped Abraham Lincoln win re-election. Abraham Lincoln... It's interesting when John Cribb wrote that piece. There's other similarities. Abraham Lincoln 
had fired a number of his generals. Then a number of his generals became political opponents. One of them be, would be a gentleman by the name of McClellan. McClellan would get the Democrat nomination to run against his former commander-in-chief, Abraham Lincoln. McClellan actually won several states, including some in the north. <clears throat> he won his home state of New Jersey. But in the end, he did lose. And so, uh, when I look at the governor of Maryland, when I look at these ex-governors of Pennsylvania and New Jersey and Ohio, these ex-officials in the Bush administration, ex-supporters of John McCain, really in the scheme of things, not many, but enough, who come out against Donald Trump, when I look at the Lincoln Project, which should really be called the McClellan Project, and the operators and the scammers and the grifters who attach themselves to these organizations and make an enormous amount of money trying to defeat Donald Trump, it is yet another similarity that Trump faces as Lincoln faced. And so uh, Lincoln went into the election with a mostly united party, as Donald Trump goes into this election with a mostly united party. Donald Trump has been running, governing, and goes into this election with a press that hates his guts, much as Lincoln ran for office with not all of it, but a lot of the press that hated his guts. So what's left? So where are we? Well, back then, the American people rose up and voted for Abraham Lincoln. Wasn't a landslide, but it was a good victory. Everybody was biting their fingernails. If Lincoln had lost, God knows what would have happened to the United States. The Democrat agenda was a radical agenda, was an anti-constitutional agenda. Today, for different reasons, of course, will the American people rise up and vote for Donald Trump? Or will they vote for a radical extremist agenda, which will rip our Constitution to shreds? It's the same two parties, the Republican Party and the Democrat Party, the same two parties. And the Republican Party is doing what it did back then, trying to defend the Constitution, running under the Declaration of Independence, talking about equality in a colorblind society. The other party is doing what the other party does, turning citizen against citizen, extraordinarily violent in its supporters and using the media to try and destroy the Republican candidate. The question is, will the American people be as wise in 18 days 
as they were in 1864. We're about to find out. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I'm going to be really direct with you. If your cellular plan is with Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, you're simply paying way too much for the exact same coverage you would get right now with Pure Talk. So look at your cell phone bill where it shows data usage. The average person who switches to Pure Talk is using less than 4 gigs of data a month. But the big carriers are charging you for unlimited data. It's like paying for an entire row on an airplane but only needing one seat. That's how Pure Talk saves the average person over $400 a year on their wireless service. Unlimited talk, text, and 2 gigs of data all for just $20 a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. So folks, switching to Pure Talk is the easiest decision you'll make today. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com promo code L-E-V-I-N podcast. That's Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA. Simply smarter wireless. You know, a couple of weeks ago, really probably a year ago, I, I made the point, not being a uh, campaign finance expert, that what these uh, big tech companies like Facebook and Twitter are up to are massive in-kind contributions because they consistently and almost relentlessly are helping the Democrat Party and the left in the way that they, uh, they handle speech, which is what their, their, uh, their product is, on, uh, on their sites. But there's also other issues related to this, and one is called this rule or this Section 230. And I'm no expert on that either. But Brendan Carr is a commissioner on the FCC, and I want to welcome you. How are you, sir? Great to join you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. What is this 230? Is it a rule? Is it a regulation? Is it part of a statute? And can you please explain it to us? Yeah, Section 230 is a statute that Congress passed back in the 1990s when the Internet was essentially these CompuServe and Prodigy messaging boards. There was very little content moderation going on there, very little political speech. People were not building their businesses on these Internet platforms. Flash forward to today, those CompuServe messaging boards are now the largest companies that history has ever known with more control over more speech than any institution we've seen. And the minimal content moderation that they did when Congress passed 230 has flashed forward what we're seeing even just this week with putting a thumb on the scale, silencing speech, and doing it in a way that I think everybody would admit is partisan in favor of Democrats. And one of the reasons they're doing this is because of Section 230. That's why at the FCC, we're going to move forward with reforms to address this issue. Now, what does Section 230 do? It does two things. One, it says that they are not liable for other people's speech. That's fine. The second piece says that if you're going to take down people's speech on these websites, you need to do so in good faith, and you need to do so based on certain specific criteria in the statute. Otherwise, you're not protected by 230, right? All of us have free speech rights. We all have First Amendment rights. Only big tech has these unique and special immunities. And the courts have read 230 to give them carte blanche to silence political speech while maintaining their 230 protections. That's not what the statute says, and it's 
needs to be revised so that we can encourage more speech and a diversity of thought. We don't need Silicon Valley telling us what we should think, what we should believe. And you know, Commissioner, these uh, these large companies have lured people into their platforms. They've encouraged people to join their platforms. They monetize the data. Uh, many of us don't even know what data they're collecting on us. Uh, and they sell it. They monetize sites like mine I'm, where they put ads on my site. And God knows what else they do. I don't monetize it. They do. And so um, it's not like it's just uh, a soapbox. It is a huge corporation. It is a massive business, as you point out. They're taking advantage of me. They're taking advantage of us. I'm just trying to communicate with my audience and show them articles and give them opinions. You know, I'm freer to do that on radio, honestly, than I am on Facebook or Twitter. We've been getting warnings. We've been getting hits. Amazing. I never did before. The last 30 days, like I've never seen before, on legitimate articles from legitimate sites where they have these phony third parties set up at Facebook, they're very liberal, that say, no, your position on the climate change is not considered correct. And they're correcting me. And, and it's like, what the hell is this? This is pretty outright. You've lured me into this. I've built a massive audience on your site. You have monetized it. And now you're trying to control what I say and intimidate me. That clearly isn't what 230 intended, right? You, you've nailed it here. Look, these websites can have all the First Amendment rights that everyone has have. They're free to their opinions. But what no business gets to do in this country is effectively engage in a bait and switch. When these platforms were looking to grow, they needed people like you. They attracted people like you to help them gain what's now market share. When they did so, they said, Twitter in particular, we represent the free speech wing of the free speech party. Diverse views are welcome here. Well, now that people have taken their business there, uh, have uh, helped build up the economic success of these companies based on those representations, turns out they're trying to turn the dial in a very different direction. And again, whether they have the First Amendment right to do that is not the question. The question is, does any business get to make representations to its users, we will be politically neutral, and then engage in conduct that is clearly not? And I think that's a core issue. And that's not just an FCC issue. That's a Federal Trade Commission issue. Mm -hmm. There's really no business in the country that should get away with this type of bait and switch. And they certainly shouldn't be immune. They certainly shouldn't get special protections. Uh, There's nothing like these entities. Look, I'm a free market guy, okay? They're not. They're trying to control what I'm saying. They're trying to intimidate me. We have a large radio show, a large TV show. We have millions of people on these sites. I'm trying to communicate with them, and they're interfering with me after I've spent 10 years helping to build up their site with my site. Now, they, now after 10 years, they're saying, uh, you, you know, climate change requires this. Uh, Trump didn't really say it. Who the hell are these people? This is really quite outrageous. So at a minimum, they shouldn't get special protections, right? That's exactly right. They have a First Amendment right to free speech. They don't have a First Amendment right to these special, unique protections that were designed for basically the mom-and-pop CompuServe messaging board. People weren't building their livelihood on a CompuServe messaging board. It wasn't core to political speech. And so when you've got this statute that was passed with special protections that courts have expanded over the years to go beyond what Congress intended, it's time to reform it. And to your point, they have these fact checkers that, let's be honest, they're not fact checkers. They're Mm -hmm. political editorializing, uh, and they are slapping labels on speech, not because it's misinformation or disinformation, because they don't believe it. The Internet has the potential, just like radio, to be a great equalizer. 
And one of the reasons for is because people could speak their minds without having to go through traditional gatekeepers. That's changing. The traditional gatekeepers are trying to seize control of the online conversation. And one way they're doing it is through these so-called fact checks. And Republicans for years, honestly, were asleep at the switch. There's a strong element of the conservative movement that said, look, we should sit on our hands and basically took this abject corporatism approach. Those days are over. We were at a watershed moment just this week. Justice Clarence Thomas issued a statement saying that 230 has been read too broadly by the courts. Republican leader Kevin McCarthy came out and said it's time to scrap 230. The chairman of the FCC said we're moving forward 230 reform. So the dam is broken, and I think the conservative movement finally realizes that if we care about diversity of thought, it's time to take action. Mm-hmm. And when they're censoring people from the president's campaign to the president's spokeswoman and intimidating people, uh, enough is enough. I want to thank you, Brendan Carr. We're going to be keeping an eye on this. And I think the FCC, the FTC, and maybe the FEC should all be taking a look at this. Good luck and God bless. Thank you, sir. All right. Be well. And I'll be right back. Have you gotten your letter from the IRS yet? These last few years have not been easy on the American family. And with tax season finally arriving, there'll be millions of hardworking people and businesses that could struggle even more due to the IRS working against them. Well, America First Tax Group can help put an end to your worries. Just one phone call to 800-806-1299. Hello, 800-806-1299. And you'll be in touch with the America First Tax Group, a full-service tax company that'll fight the IRS and help put you on the path to financial freedom. Their experts can help you or your business with any tax-related problems you may have, from dealing with your back taxes to granting you access to tax relief and much more. Don't wait. Get in touch with America First Tax Group today by calling 800-806-1299. That's 800-806-1299 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Levin. Again, 800-806-1299 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com. Dot com slash L-E-V-I-N. Mark Levin, America's tyranny hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Now, in addition to all this, you're getting a lot of uh, polls out there. And they're making a lot of you very nervous. I have family members that are sending me stuff. I have other radio hosts. Oh, my, what are we going to do? Ladies and gentlemen, what do you think George Washington said when they would see the redcoats lined up against them? You have to fight to win. You can't be intimidated right away. We have a country of heroes. We're surrounded by a country of heroes who fought in battles and fought in wars that we were not expected to win. We can do this, but we have to do it. We can't just hope. And this weekend's the perfect time to make sure you're lining up five or ten votes, each and every one of you. This is what you do. Some of you are telling me you can't sleep at night. Okay, well then get up, have a notepad next to your bed, and make a list of people you want to call, And not just remind them, but make sure they vote. Help them with their ballots, help them with mail-ins, help them on election day. You don't need to be an official part of the RNC or anything. And if we do this, we are going to shock the nation. 
I mean, here's a piece in the Hill newspaper. And the headline is, Biden campaign manager, race is far closer than experts say. Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden's campaign manager, Jen O'Malley Dillon, says the race against President Trump is, quote, far closer, unquote, than conventional wisdom suggests. Despite polls showing the former vice president with a double-digit lead over Trump nationally, and a smaller but consistent leads in battleground states, Dillon warned over Twitter on Wednesday night that the content, excuse me, that the contest is a lot closer. Quote, early voting is already underway in many states, she wrote. Millions of voters have already cast their ballots. But there's still a long way to go in this campaign, and we think this race is far closer than folks on this website, that is Twitter, think. Like a lot closer, quote unquote. Well, we need to make their worst nightmares come true. Because I happen to think it's a lot closer than that's being said, too. I'm no poll expert. But I know enough to know that there's no way that Joe Biden's going to win in a 14-point massive landslide or anything of that sort. But it's bad enough if he wins by one-tenth of one point, And that's why we've got to get our votes out. And that's why it's up to you. Don't rely on anybody else. It's like the founders, ladies and gentlemen. They all were involved, all of them. They didn't say, oh, that's Sam Adams, he'll handle it. No. Well, that Paul Revere, you know, that's, that's, no. This is our country. We're responsible for it. Now, I want to talk to parents for a moment. I spoke to seniors, and I spoke to suburbanites earlier. I spoke to all of America. But I, I want to focus briefly on parents. You know, I, I'm often baffled. And I wrote a book called Plunder and Deceit. I'm often baffled by adults with kids who vote for politicians who do horrible things to this country. I'm baffled. You'll vote for politicians who will do things to the country that you would never allow to happen in your own household. Never. And you love your children. I know you do. You want the best schools for them. You want the best opportunities for them. You want them to be safe. You want them to be happy. You want them to be well-fed and well-clothed. We all do. That's our flesh and blood. But that's the same kind of attitude you have to have when you look at the country and make decisions about who you're going to vote for. When you vote, it impacts your children. When you have a political party that is running on the most extreme and radical agenda in American history, that's going to affect your children. It's going to affect your children for the rest of their lives. Why would you take a chance like that? These people on the left, this Democrat party has plans for your public schools that you cannot even imagine. You can't even begin to imagine. The brainwashing and indoctrination. is going to be beyond belief. You already see some of it. They're going to turn your kids against this country. They're going to try and unteach them the values and the morals that you've taught them and that they learned from your faith. It's all right here in a 110-page document. 
And by the way, this is quite the Marxist document because in a general way it follows the uh, Communist Manifesto. You know, you say that and people, oh, there he goes. I've read it. Have you? Now, some of you have children just because of the nature of their physicality, the nature of their skin color, are going to be discriminated against as a matter of federal law. That's what the document provides. They're going to assign privilege to certain races, disadvantage to other races. They're going to assign privilege to certain individuals that decide to do certain things with their genitalia. They're going to assign disadvantage to other individuals. I mean, rather than treat every human being as a gift from God, as somebody who deserves respect for who they are, their heart and their soul, regardless of all the physical stuff, rather than treat every person in this country as a human being, a valuable person, who should be treated with dignity and respect and equality. They got a whole plan in this document, an entire plan. Where do your kids fall on this plan? Do you even know? No, you don't know. You do. I mean, you don't understand. I'm talking about those who are going to vote for Biden or think they are. They don't even know what I'm talking about. They don't have the foggiest idea. This document destroys prosperity, destroys it. It destroys private property rights. It destroys opportunities by claiming it's going to create opportunities through government bureaucracies and redistribution of wealth. Ask the people in Cuba and Venezuela and Iran and on and on and on about those policies. They're going to create for your children poverty. They're going to create for your children dead ends. They're going to create for your children balkanization of the society. Doesn't this matter? Doesn't it matter? We're not talking about a few taxes and a few regulations. And so they, they talk in, in language that they think is going to pull at your heartstrings. Like, we need to unite the country. How is the Democrat Party uniting the country today? How did Joe Biden unite the country during his 47 years? They have no intention of uniting the country. They have every intention of rewarding certain human beings, disadvantaging certain human beings, depending on who they believe will empower them and keep them in power and support their party. That's how they operate. Is that the kind of country you want for your children? The Constitution is what protects us from tyranny. The Constitution is what protects you and your family and your children. The Constitution places limits on these people, limits on their design, limits on their million ideas on how to control you and your neighborhood and your community and your life and your income and everything else. It even gets worse. Do you know what's going on in New York City, ladies and gentlemen? Do you know what's going on under Governor Andrew Cuomo with the support of Mayor DeCamio? Do you know what's going on? They're rounding up Orthodox Jews. They're rounding them up. And arresting some of them. Because they're not following the social distancing rules. 
Now, of course, if it's Antifa or Black Lives Matter or arsonists or looters, and you know it, they're not interested in rounding up anybody. and They're not interested in social distancing rules. They are targeting, listen to me, because many of you are righteous Gentiles. They are targeting Orthodox Jews in New York as I speak. Because of the high holidays, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, because of Sukkot. These are, these are the big holidays, and they come one after another. And the Orthodox Jews, they're not fighting back. They don't go out in the streets with baseball bats and Molotov cocktails. They're not attacking the system, quote-unquote. They're not attacking the cops. They love the cops. And the governor keeps targeting the Jews. In America, in 2020. It's the left. The left. Listen to how they talk. Why is it that the Democrat Party tolerates AOC, who's an anti-Semite? Why? Or Talib, who's an anti-Semite? Or Omar, who's an anti-Semite? Why is it that the media, the Democrat Party media, Guthrie or whatever her name is, married to an activist Democrat, asking the President of the United States about white supremacy, why don't they ever ask the Democrats? I've named them specifically about their Jew hatred. Why don't they ever ask them? Why don't they ever ask Joe Biden about his racist past? Yes, this election, there's a lot at stake, isn't there? A lot at stake. What kind of a country do you want for your children? They are bragging about their effort to destroy the Supreme Court. And each and every one of you is going to pay a price for this. They are so giddy. They are so cocky. They are so power hungry. They are telling us flat out. You know that court? that used to be an independent court? Yeah. Well, we don't like the fact that the President of the United States is following the Constitution and putting somebody on the court with the Republican Senate before our election because we want to put a radical on there. And so Donald Trump should, for the first time of any president in American history, defer to us. And because he won't defer to us, and this is what Biden's going to say, yes, we need to pack the court, because Donald Trump is packing the court. So they're going to use Stalinist-like propaganda, because they're demagogues, that's what they are. They hate the Constitution, because the Constitution gets in the way of progressivism, socialism, Marxism. It places limits on the federal government. They don't want limits on the federal government. So they're going to destroy your Supreme Court. They've told you they're going to destroy your Supreme Court. So what are they going to destroy? The rule of law. That is the highest court in the country. And its purpose is to uphold the Constitution and our federal statutes. They're going to destroy it. So they're going to destroy the rule of law. They're going to pack the Senate. Why? So every single thing in this 110-page document becomes law. And then if you sue them and go to the Supreme Court, you lose. Why? Because the system is fixed by them. What else are they going to do? They're going to do what they did in California. Any election process that obstructs victories for Democrats, they will destroy. So they can never lose. They'll never lose elections. They'll control the judiciary. And game over. 
Is that what you want for your kids and your grandkids? A tyranny? Is that what you want? A tyranny? Is that what American soldiers have fought for? A tyranny? I'll be right back. I'm going to be really direct with you. If your cellular plan is with Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, you're simply paying way too much for the exact same coverage you would get right now with Pure Talk. So look at your cell phone bill where it shows data usage. The average person who switches to Pure Talk is using less than 4 gigs of data a month. But the big carriers are charging you for unlimited data. It's like paying for an entire row on an airplane, but only needing one seat. That's how Pure Talk saves the average person over $400 a year on their wireless service. Unlimited talk, text, and 2 gigs of data all for just $20 a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. So folks, switching to Pure Talk is the easiest decision you'll make today. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com promo code L-E-V-I-N Podcast. That's Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. You know, there's a great, a great link, uh, victory girls, they call themselves, and they show lines, early turn out these long lines. And you have LeBron James and, uh, and Michelle Obama, and they're not alone, talking about, well, this is, demonstrates a voter suppression. Now, as I've said before, in these various communities, it's up to the local officials who are elected and otherwise to decide where they want precincts. So... If it is a mostly African-American community, let's say it's Atlanta or Fulton County, uh, those are mostly African-Americans making decisions on how many precincts they want and where they put them. So that's kind of a strange thing to say that's evidence of suppression. But even worse, when you have lines of people voting, that in and of itself cannot be voter suppression because every one of them gets to vote. So how is that voter suppression? And yet this is, this is what we have to hear Uh, from the left, uh, as they turn everything into a race issue. And by the way, after the top of the hour, we're going to dig into Joe Biden, and I'm going to prove he's a corrupt, long-time Washington politician. He doesn't give a damn about union members. He doesn't give a damn about working people. He and his family have made tens of millions of dollars off of quote-unquote public service and foreign companies. Joe Biden and his family are perhaps the most corrupt political family in modern American history. The media are covering it up. Facebook's covering it up. Twitter's covering it up. They're trying to get through the next 18 days. And there's a few voices that are serious about that, including mine. Come right back. I'll be right here. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. 
Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. If we don't prevent Joe Biden from being elected president of the United States, we will have the most corrupt political family in American history running the country. And not just corrupt domestically, corrupt with foreign actors. Now We've talked about the Ukraine angle with uh, Hunter Biden. We've talked about how Joe Biden lied that he didn't know anything about it. Uh, I will tell you, because Rudy Giuliani is going to be on my show Sunday for a full hour, and it's a very, very important show. Very important show, 8 p.m. Eastern, on on Fox, Life, Liberty, and Levin. And if you can't watch it live, I hope you'll DVR, because it's going to be a very, very important show. People have talked to Rudy, but as you know, we do a deep dive for the full hour. And I'll let you in on a little secret, because it's important. This absolutely was Hunter Biden's computer, his laptop, because among other things, he had to sign a contract when he left it off with the gentleman in his own handwriting, uh, which said, among other things, that if he didn't pick it up in 90 days, it would become the property of the store owner. Well, he didn't pick it up in 90 days. So his handwritten signature is on the contract. Now, if the Washington Post, the New York Times, and the rest of the media were serious about this, they would have learned that, just by asking. But they're not serious about this. So they attack Rudy Giuliani, they attack the Republicans, they attack, attack, attack. And this is a very, very corrupt family. Very corrupt family. And as I said the other day on this program, there's enough here, should, God forbid, Joe Biden get elected, if the Republicans took the House to impeach him or at least to conduct an impeachment inquiry. Again, I know this will drive the left nuts, but they laid the standard down, and that's the standard. Now, we talked about Ukraine. Joe Biden lied. He knew about Ukraine. At least he knew that his son was involved in it. And uh, the media could track down this Ukrainian, the uh, number two or number three at Burisma, and they could talk to him, but they choose not to. There's 40,000 emails on here. There are naked pictures and sexual videos of this guy on there. That guy being Hunter Biden and also of him uh, using illegal substance and so forth. But the New York Post has done tremendous work here. Hunter Biden pursued lucrative deals involving China's largest private energy company. He's into these energy companies, including one that he said would be interesting for me and my family, quote-unquote. That's in an email. This is 2017 when Joe Biden is no longer in public office, by the way. One email sent to Hunter Biden on May 13, 2017 with the subject line, Expectations, included details of remuneration packages, quote-unquote, for six people involved in an unspecified business venture. In addition, the email outlined a provisional agreement under which 80% of the equity or shares in this new company would be split equally among four people whose initials correspond to the sender and three recipients, with H apparently referring to Hunter Biden. The deal also listed 10 Jim and 10 held for H, for the big guy. Now, who's the big guy, ladies and gentlemen? You have to infer that it's Joe Biden. 
meaning 10% for the big guy. Held for H, Hunter, for his father, the big guy. The email's author, James Gilliar, of the international consulting firm J2CR, also noted, quote, I am happy to raise any detail with Zhang if there's any shortfalls. Zhang is an apparent reference to Zhang Jingzhen, the former executive director of this Chinese company. Another email sent by Hunter Biden as part of the August 2nd, 2017 chain involved a deal he struck with the since-vanished chairman of the CFCEFC, this Chinese energy company, Yi Jiming, for half-ownership of a holding company that was expected to provide Hunter Biden with more than $10 million a year. Now, obviously, they're buying access here, okay? That email that says expectations, it's all about access. Access to whom? Access to his father, for God's sakes. Now, Yi, who was ties to the Chinese military and intelligence service, so in other words, it's a national security issue on top of everything else, hasn't been seen since being taken into the custody by Chinese authorities in early 2018. And the company, CFC, CEFC, went bankrupt earlier this year, according to reports. Gee, I wonder why they disappeared this guy, Mr. Producer, don't you? He'd be a hell of a witness. Biden wrote that Yi had sweetened the terms of an earlier three-year consulting contract that CEFC that was to pay him $10 million annually, quote, for introductions alone, unquote. Introductions alone. Access. Quote, the chairman changed that deal after we met in Miami to a much more lasting and lucrative arrangement to create a holding company 50% owned by me and 50% owned by him, wrote Hunter Biden. Consulting fees in one piece of our income stream, but the reason this proposal by the chairman, I'm quoting, was so much more interesting to me and my family is that we would also be partners in the equity and profits of the joint ventures investment. A photo dated August 1, 2017 shows a handwritten flowchart of the ownership of Hudson West split 50-50 between the two entities. And his father would get a piece of the action. George Stephanopoulos last night at a town hall meeting that was 90 minutes in length on ABC News didn't ask Joe Biden a single question about this. Not one. He didn't ask Joe Biden a single question about the new information from these emails ensnaring Joe Biden, who said on multiple occasions he knew nothing about Burisma, knew nothing about his son's business activities, when in fact we have an email that's called evidence saying that one of the top officials of that company thanked Hunter Biden for the opportunity The Washington Post, which is splitting hairs, says they don't know what that means. The opportunity to do what? Well, what do they think? But they're not going to pursue it. So ABC News with George Stephanopoulos, who is a Democrat Clinton flunky, didn't ask a single question. Not one. The Washington Post and New York Times have not asked a single serious question. They haven't pursued this because they're flunkies. Nothing. 
Joe Biden hasn't been asked about his white supremacy, his opposition to integration early in his career. Not once. Nothing. Joe Biden has like four or five mansions in the state of Delaware. Hasn't been asked once how he came to acquire those mansions. Oh, oh, he earned millions and millions in speeches, 13, 14, 15, 16 million. And while we're on that subject, he hasn't been asked a single thing about his tax returns, which so that he set up an S-Corp, and I've talked about this multiple times. Others have written about it. That's how I know about it. He set up an S-Corp so he wouldn't have to pay Social Security taxes beyond the, the cap as a business, and he wouldn't have to pay into Obamacare. Now think about that. The guy's going on and on about Obamacare, but he doesn't want to pay into Obamacare like the rest of us have to as taxpayers. So this would be the most corrupt political family in American history, going in to run the executive branch. In addition to everything else we've talked about. Now, you've heard a lot about Obamacare lately. I don't have a lot of time. I, I, I wish I did, but I want to get into this. It was an excellent piece by Issues and Insights, a great, great site. Still more Democrat lies about Obamacare. Democrats have spent the bulk of the Amy Coney Barrett hearing warning that she would overturn Obamacare if she makes it to the Supreme Court, causing 130 million Americans to lose protections for pre-existing conditions and costs uh, to skyrocket. None of that's true. But then again, Obamacare was built on a big lie. You can keep your plan. Now, what are they talking about? In truth, it's that the really big donors who care about Obamacare's future are supporting Biden. Big Pharma, for example, gave more to Biden's campaign this year than Trump's. Hospitals and nursing home donations were running two to one in Biden's favor. The health care sector overall has given $20 million to Biden, but only $11 million to Trump, according to Open Secrets. But the lies go much deeper than that. First, the notion that a Judge Barrett is certain to vote against Obamacare, of course, is nonsense. But it's worse than that. It's worse than that. There aren't 130 million people who would lose access to health care under the worst circumstances. That figure comes from an Obama administration report that found that at most 133 million people under the age of 65 have health conditions that could cause insurance companies to charge them more or deny them coverage. At the low end, it's 51 million. Whatever number you choose, 51 million or 133 million, it's wildly exaggerated. Because even without Obamacare, the vast majority of those people, roughly 85%, are already protected. They're pre-existing conditions too, because they get coverage from employer plans or from the government, neither of which allows, as a matter of law, Coverage denials are higher premiums based on an individual's health status. Before Obamacare or without Obamacare? The idea that Obamacare has made private health care more affordable is laughable. Almost all the gains in coverage from Obamacare have been the result of its expansion of Medicaid, forcing people onto a poverty program. From 2016 to 2019... Unsubsidized enrollment declined by 2.8 million people, representing a 45% drop nationally. What's more, that's for unsubsidized policies. Gallup survey finds that the share of people who say they've put off medical care because of the cost is higher today than before Obamacare. Obamacare has driven up the cost of your coverage, driven up the cost of your treatment, 
and and 30% say they've put off health care because of uh, higher expenses. Among those making less than 40000 a year who are supposedly the main beneficiaries of Obamacare, 36% report putting off treatments because of the costs in 2019, up from 30% in 2013. Obamacare is insurance crap. It's crap. That's what the Democrats have given you, crap, at a massive expense for people who can't afford it. I'll be right back. in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Lee Zeldin is truly a great member of the House of Representatives. He is uh, really becoming an endangered species, a Republican congressman from New York. Um, His district has been kind of messed around with. A lot of people from New York have permanently moved into his district. Many of them are Democrats, and that's how they plan to vote. He's running against a leftist, and I am very, very much invested in this race. I don't mean financially. But I think Lee Zellin is, is one of the best members of the House of Representatives. New York's first congressional district. Lee Zellin, how are you, my friend? I'm doing okay, Mark. A little bit earlier today, by the way, one of those Democrats on the South Fork, because my district includes the Hamptons, was arrested because he not only requested one absentee ballot for his mother who had passed away, but he then a month later requested another absentee ballot for his mother who had recently passed away. So we're not just dealing with... uh, Folks on the other side of the aisle trying to take back this seat. They're trying to get their, uh, their, their dead mothers to vote for them, too. Well, what a, what a nice son. And by, the, and by the way, Lisa, this, this concerns me greatly because this is one instance, and the guy's caught. Who the hell knows what's going on out there? You know, New York has a very bad record with respect to uh, fraud and voting, doesn't it? Oh, so we have a stack of papers of people who uh, are illegally in the country— they successfully registered to vote, then they actually voted. And the only reason why we were able to capture them is because in order for them to file for U.S. citizenship, they have to submit a letter to the Suffolk County Board of Elections requesting removal from the voter rolls uh, because they're applying for citizenship. So now the Board of Elections is able to provide us documentation. The only reason why we know that they were registered to vote and actually voted is because they out themselves as part of the citizenship process. New York State recently enacted a new law that if you're not in the country legally, you can go to the local DMV 
and get a driver's license. But while you're there, you will uh, have an option on a form to opt in to vote, but they've actually changed the rule to make it crazier. The new, the new New York state law is that you will have to opt out. So the person who's illegally in the country Unbelievable. will have to opt out, and there's nothing in the system in DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles, or the Board of Elections. They can't vet any of them to figure out what their citizenship status is or their legal status. I'll tell you what, Lee. Here's what we want to do. We want to gin up your army of supporters there. People need to understand that not only you're not a shoe-in, but you're running behind, and you've got to catch up with this other candidate who is a leftist. And so... What do you want people in your district to do? What do you want people in this country to do on your behalf? Well, listen, any support, if anyone can visit my website at zeldinforcongress.com, even if you are uh, somewhere else, you don't live in the 1st Congressional District, if you can send $5 or $25, it helps us to fight back. We We are being badly outspent. We don't just have an opponent who has uh, an ability to self-fund, but we have three Democratic super PACs uh, against us, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee House Majority PAC, which is Pelosi's super PAC, and this other PAC called 314 Action. And it's, they, they actually had one of their ads pulled because uh, it was just that far beyond the pale of, of factual. Uh, so ABC fortunately pulled that one off of the air. Anyone who lives in the 1st Congressional District, uh, on top of that support, we start in-person early voting a week from tomorrow, uh, and that will be going until November 1st. So people can actually get out there and vote for us as early as a week from tomorrow. We can't take absolutely anything for granted. Uh, the other side is fired up, not just with the top of the ticket, but they are channeling that energy towards trying to take out anyone who is supportive of the president, anyone who has an R next to their name, to give more power to Pelosi, to make Schumer the majority leader, and, of course, to make Biden and Harris uh, put them in charge of the executive branch. Quite a nightmare. That's ZeldinforCongress.com, Z-E-L-D-I-N for Congress.com. Are any... How can I put this? You're the sole, or maybe one of two, Jewish Republicans in the House of Representatives. I think you're one of two. Correct. Are any... Jewish organizations that are able to support your cause, supporting your cause? Yeah, so earlier this week, the Republican Jewish Coalition uh, launched an independent expenditure in our race uh, of $800,000, which is a big independent expenditure. They launched their first TV ad. They're doing TV, digital, and mail. And on the other side, uh, J Street, uh, which is an organization that you're familiar with, uh, is bundling money for my opponent. It's a left-wing kook anti-Israel organization that hates you and anybody else that supports Israel. Lee Zeldin, here's what we're going to do. We're going to hold you over a couple minutes. We have another guest here, but we're going to hold you over a couple minutes so you can you can finish your thought. So don't leave us yet. Sounds you good. can help Lee Zeldin, folks. He's, he's one of us. Zeldin for Congress.com. Z-E-L-D-I-N for Congress.com. You've seen him. You've seen him on TV defending the president. Fighting for Liberty. Very, very, very important race. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong 
and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. America's passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. Lee Zeldin, conservative Republican running in New York's first congressional district. Zeldin for Congress.com. Z-E-L-D-I-N for Congress.com. He's a good friend. He is a, uh, he is a fighter. He's a combat veteran. Just absolutely terrific for, our, for the cause of liberty. So, uh, Lee, you were saying uh, your your opponent is one of these anti-Israel, art, you know, real left-wing, 1619 New York Times-like Democrats, right? Yes, a J Street-supported candidate who uh, considers herself to be a secular Jew, which, uh, you know, is just a, a different uh, a different approach uh, to Judaism than, than I'm used to. She's a leftist. Yeah, she she absolutely is, and you know, uh, J Street is the the type of an organization that would be providing more funding to the Palestinian Authority, which incites violence and financially rewards terror. It would be tripping over themselves to to beg Iran to get back into an Iran nuclear deal uh, if they were successful in winning the presidency. So you know, you, you know, then they provide cover to certain individuals. Uh, who set the cause back, and it's confusing. You know, when, you know, when Elon Omar is able to say everything she was saying over the course of the first several months, especially when she got to the House, and then you have uh, Jewish individuals back in her district, in her state, and across the country backing her up, that, empo- that empowers, emboldens, embraces them. It elevates it. All right, folks, ZeldonforCongress.com. There's only a couple of weekends left before the election. And if anybody wants to assist him in his district, you contact them through ZeldonforCongress.com. In America, all these seats are America's seats. Everybody votes on issues that affect the entire country, and Lee Zeldin is one of them. Can you imagine losing him and then having a radical kook? It's a big difference. ZeldonforCongress.com. Lee, we wish you all the best, my friend. Well, thank you, Mark, and uh, thank you for everything that you do. God bless you. It's a very, very important seat, folks. And we have another friend of the program, Randy Feenstra, State Senator, Iowa, running in the 4th District in Iowa. How are you, sir? Hey, Mark. It's just so great and honored beyond. I mean, I appreciate so much what you do for pushing constitutional conservative, uh, conservatism. This is what it's all about. And uh, thank you so much for being the voice of America on this issue. Well, thank you. And, you know, you're one of the seats we've got to have and we should have. And if we're going to take the House and remove Nancy Pelosi, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Yeah, so I live in a small town in rural Iowa, and, you know, we live every day. We work hard. I teach business and economics at a small Christian university where I, I send Christian lights out into the world that they can spread cons- uh, conservative values, you know, starting a business, raising a family, do, do and fulfill the American dream, you know, something those coastal elites don't like to hear. Uh, when I'm not teaching, I'm in the Iowa Senate pushing the conservative agenda of lowering taxes and balancing the budget and protect, protecting our constitutional rights. Tell us about your opponent. Now, my opponent is, is, is a left-leaning Democrat, and he's very, very outspoken on government-run health care. He, he hides himself uh, on saying, uh, you know, the Green New Deal will be a great thing for farmers. I mean, this would absolutely destroy rural America. It costs every farmer $65,000 or more uh, a year. And he's taken millions and millions of dollars from the liberal elites out in California and New York, and that's just been a huge problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Democrats pouring much money into your district? Exactly. Millions of dollars just just keep coming in. And it's all, you know, this is a sad thing. You know, we as Iowans, we take care of one another. I mean, we, they help me out. I have over 2,900 contributions from Iowans, and all his money is coming from California and New York and Massachusetts and things like that. They they don't care about middle of America. They don't care no. about our ag industry. It's It's disappointing. It's amazing. Everybody I interview, Randy, same situation. They're being outspent. The money's coming from the coasts, yep. you know, from uh, yep. from Hollywood and from New York and Washington and, uh, yep. and these billionaires. I'm getting outspent five to six to one. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yep. And, and, yep. and these billionaires and these massive corporations are lining up behind the Democrats, even though the Democrats have every intention of uh, – of gobbling them up, maybe maybe they they view this as uh, safe money. They're paying off, so they so they don't have any problem. I don't know, but it's absolutely unbelievable. So if people, scary, yeah, go what ahead. We've done for business, you know what, what we've all done for business and yep. for deregulation and all this stuff for open capitalism, and yet you have these same these same businesses flocking to the Democrats. I don't get it. It's just it's it's because they're corporatists. They don't believe yeah. in capitalism. They're corporatists, and if they can get regulations to put competitors out of business, they will, and they know they can get that out of the Democrats, and you're not one of them. Tell us about your family. Yeah, so I have four wonderful children, uh, three that are in college, one that's an eighth grader. My wife and I have been married 28 wonderful years, and we live a, a, just a, a wonderful, normal life in rural, rural America. My wife uh, taught for 25 years in kindergarten, and and uh, I, for the most of my life, I worked in a, a private uh, candy business, uh, selling candy. You know, now we, you're talking, we, baby. Absolutely, black forest gummy bears. Mm. So, but oh, really? You know, we live a regular life. Yep, yep. So, well, listen, America, people, folks, give us an idea of some of the towns in your district. Yeah, so we have a small little town like Sioux City, Iowa, Fort Dodge, uh, Denison, Ames, and, but so many towns are 7,000 people population below. Like I live in a little town of 2,500 people, born and raised here. Uh, and there's so many little towns around me just like that. And, you know, we're just fighting to keep our main streets open. We're just fighting to keep our hospitals, uh, you know, it's uh, Access to health care is so critical right now. And, and here you have somebody that says, you know what, I w- we want to gut this health care. We want to have government run. And we're, we're fighting like ever because we know that there's a lot on the line right now for our main streets, our families, and, and for our hospitals and education. It's a, it's a concern. All right. So if people want to help, where do they go? Yeah, Feenstra4Congress.com. And I'll say that again. It starts with an F. 
Feenstra for Congress.com. And my Twitter handle is at Randy Feenstra. And any help you could offer would be great. I need to fight against this liberal, left-leaning Democrat. And Feenstra is F-E-E-N-S-T-R-A. Just so people know. We're going to go ahead and we're going to post that. Good luck to you, my friend. Thank you, Mark. Continue what you're doing. We love you out here. We all listen to you in northwest Iowa. Keep shouting it to the mountaintops. God bless you, my friend. Okay, I want to put a wager out there. The Democrats have been saying, excuse me, that if Obamacare is, if the rest of it's found unconstitutional, which is unlikely, I hope it is, by the way. You know, people keep saying the severability clause, the severability clause. Well, maybe not. But if it's found unconstitutional, the Democrats are saying 130 million people with pre-existing conditions won't be able to get insurance for those conditions. Is that what they're saying, Mr. Producer? Uh, even without Obamacare, the vast majority of those people, roughly 85%, are already protected because they can get coverage from employer plans or from the government, neither of which allows denials. So I'm going to put $100,000 on the table. Uh, let, who should we choose? Chuck Schumer. Uh, if, in fact, he's right or I'm right. Is that fair, Mr. Producer? Am I right or is he right? He's a liar. I'll put another $100,000 on the table. If Roe versus Wade, and it won't be, but if it's knocked down as unconstitutional, that there'll be no more abortions in America. That's what they're saying. Even though states can make those decisions. So I'll put another 100000 on the table with Schumer. I really ought to do it with Biden. He's a multimillionaire. But I'll do it with Schumer. Because they're liars. If Roe v. Wade were knocked down this minute, women could still get abortions. Well, not in every state. I said women could still get abortions. And if Obamacare was knocked out this minute, the vast majority of people with pre-existing conditions would still get, be able to get insurance coverage that covers pre-existing conditions because of state law. So that's $200,000 I put on the table, Mr. Producer. So Chuck Schumer, you willing to take a bet with me? You willing to put up 100000 twice? You lying sack of uh, oatmeal. Is that all right? Yes, something like that. Uh, so we'll do that. I've done that. Let's see what happens. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. 
Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. You know, it's sickening what these hack politicians do with all this money. I live in Virginia, so I got to watch this Mark Warner, who's good for nothing. And he's running these ads saying he secured $2 trillion in relief aid. He did not do any such thing. Then he prayed, well, he's going to make sure the schools are safe. He's going to do that. This guy is a loser. He's a pathetic bum. And he's running against a real war hero who lost his right leg. Lost his right leg. And is a brilliant young man. And then he says, oh, he's pretty much a kook, a conspiracy theorist, because he believes wearing a mask is tyranny. We all know what he meant, Warner, you POS, you, you good for nothing. This guy, Warner, said he would only serve two terms. They just lie, and they have the money to do it. And these stupid leftists will vote, oh, we're, we're Democrat, vote Democrat, vote Democrat, uh, Demi- uh, oh, Warner, he's done so much for us. Can you name one thing? No, the guy can barely talk. Talks like Nancy Pelosi, Mr. Producer. It really is disgusting to watch this guy, Warner, and I'm sure it's happening all over the country. These, uh, these disgusting frauds like this guy, Mark Warner. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I, I secured $2 trillion. And not only that, I'm the guy who's making sure we don't open the schools until they're safe. They're nothing ads. They're platitudes. I got to watch this idiot day in and day out. Honestly, he looks scary. If this guy were... We're on the corner wearing a raincoat. I'd tell my kids, stay away from that guy. The senator has done nothing. Literally nothing. But he'll get reelected because Virginia now is for lovers. They need to change that, Mr. Producer. You know what they need to change that to? That's, that's the Virginia's for lovers. Virginia's for schmucks. I'm surrounded by schmucks. All right. Anyway, every Friday, every Friday, in your honor... Your Honor, because you're going to go out this weekend and you're going to get five or ten people to vote, right? We've got to do this. We've got to do us. The country's in our own hands.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow is our grandson Asher's third year birthday. So happy birthday, little boy. We love you very, very much. Don't forget Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday. Big deep dive with Rudy Giuliani, a full hour, 8 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss it or DVR it. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel. Good night, Spritey and Griffey, Pepsi, Smokey, Zelda, Gigi, and my little Barney. Please get out there this weekend and work. Good night, Dad, Mom, and Leo. Get the votes. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.